All right, we're recording this on a Thursday. It's Thursday, right? I'm not messing that up. It is Thursday. Okay, good, good, good. We're recording this on a Thursday. Really excited about this conversation today. Welcome to another episode of the Nudgecast. Mac is here. I'm here. And thank goodness someone else is here, so you don't have to listen to us again <laughs> for this entire episode. Somebody um, has to keep you guys uh, Kathleen Legris is joining us of Health Coach Solutions fame, of the Wellness Business Podcast fame. And I guess, Kathleen, first of all, hello. How are you doing? Thanks for being I'm here. I'm doing so good. Nowhere else I'd rather be on a Thursday afternoon. That's what I'm talking about. All right. I don't think we're a very threatening crew here. I think people tend to have a good time when they're talking to us. How can they not? God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> well, I guess, Kathleen, I really appreciate you, you joining today. I mean, I know a lot of our audience will actually already know you. You've had, you know, we've done some collaborations in the past. You have a blog post that we wrote together that has always gotten a good amount of traffic. So that's, that's something that... We have you know, history. This yeah. is just a family. This is still a family conversation here. Yeah. So for it. folks who, who don't know, Kathleen has a bunch of great resources, programs and stuff that you can check out on her website. But I guess, so I'm... I'm not stepping on your feet, Kathleen. Why don't you just start by telling us your story a little bit, how you got into what you're doing now and a little bit about what you're doing with, I should mention also Karen Paddock, who you do the podcast with, how you guys got connected. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with Health Coach Solutions. I help health coaches and nutritionists streamline and grow their business online. And the way I got there was from a lot of trial and error in my own business as a health coach. When I first was certified, I knew I didn't want to travel to see clients. I didn't want to have people in my house. So I knew right away online coaching or remote coaching was going to be the perfect fit for me. So as I started testing things and made plenty of mistakes, I figured out what worked for me and doing online challenges was a big part of that. And then I'd have health coaches asking, like, what are you doing? How are you getting clients? So it was kind of a natural fit, a natural transition then because I also love marketing. I love testing new things. I kind of transitioned from me working with clients one-on-one or in groups to then teaching health coaches the system that I was using to help them get clients and grow their business. So that's what I do now. When, when did you start doing challenges, by the way? I remember I've been excited for this episode for a while because when you mentioned that, I, for some reason, thought challenges were relatively new. And then I kind of felt like you took the air out of my sails because I thought we were like early on in figuring that out. And then I'm like, oh, Kathleen's been doing this for a while. Yeah. So this was back in like 2012. This was, this was eight years ago. This was actually gotcha. before I even became <laughs> certified as a health coach and I was still in school. And again, it just, to me, seemed like, the most logical place for me to grow an online community because that was my goal was to really just have an online business. And even if you pre COVID, right. Even if you were seeing clients one-on-one or in person, having those groups is still a great way for people to come together because everybody feels like they're on their journey alone, that no one has the same struggles. Nobody understands them. So when you can get into a group and you see that you're not alone and other people have similar challenges, it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. So back in 2012. So I know I was like, sorry, Mac. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. But I I think in the last two or three years is like mushroomed. 
Right, you right. And I, I'll them. be the first to say it was not my idea. I just thought we heard about it early. Like I was in the room as I heard people talking about it type thing. But then I, I felt like, you know, we, we did that um, case study with Strength Matters who did that steps challenge, which that was the first time I think we had ever really heard of a challenge being used as an acquisition strategy, which absolutely makes sense. And I think you had touched on, especially as you were kind of sending over some thoughts leading up to this, on some really, really important factors to consider when you're thinking about challenges. So definitely want to kind of let you unpack those ideas because I think it's critical when you're thinking about how this kind of ties into your business. Yeah. So first, like big picture, when you think about something like running a webinar, webinars can be great, but maybe you have 45 to 60 minutes for people to really get to know you and trust you before you invite them to your program. Challenges, and there's always a place for webinars. I do them. I love them. It's part of my business strategy too. But what's different about challenges is people are spending five. I recommend if you're going to do a challenge for free, five to seven days is kind of the sweet spot because people have short attention spans. So having something where people are spending days with you, they're in and out of the Facebook group. Ideally, you're doing Facebook lives. It just dramatically expedites that no like and trust factor. You have a complete funnel in a matter of five to seven days, right? Where you're taking them from being aware of who you are to kind of starting to trust you, maybe be interested in your program to then the conversion factor. So it's like a built-in funnel, a short-term, highly concentrated funnel. And when you started with challenges, by the way, what was what were the initial challenges focused on? So I, when I first started, I didn't know what I was doing. I just was tossing things out to see what would work. And there were two things that were very, very evident fairly early on. The shorter the challenge, the better, because people would fall off. Like after a week, I did a challenge. My biggest mistake was doing like a 90-day challenge. Like what was I thinking? people fell off. So the shorter the better, that's why I say five to seven days is ideal. And the other thing was, if you don't have an incentive for people to show up, they typically don't. So if you can include some sort of prizes, small prizes every day, people are a lot more likely to show up in the group. They're more likely to engage and participate and be excited. This could be a $15 Amazon gift card. It could be anything, right? I don't know about you guys, but like everybody loves like, oh, I can win a prize. Like you don't even care what it is. But when someone says the word prize, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to win prizes. So just having a way to, you know, continue to bring people back into the group is, is important too. So I just wanted to cover that. Like just make sure that you, as you're running this challenge, you just keep in mind, yes, I'm running a challenge, but what, what's my end goal? What is the purpose of this challenge? So it is to definitely build awareness, build trust, but then ultimately, right? You want to get clients. You want to have a way <laughs> to do, whether it's online, one-on-one, whatever type of programs you're running, you yep. want to have a way to get clients. Hopefully, hopefully you aren't out there forgetting that the end game is to get clients at the end of your challenge. <laughs> I, that's, that's a really important point that I hope doesn't get skipped in this process. Yeah. Challenges <laughs> are fun, but we have a goal here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess let's, I'm curious to circle back on the nitty gritty details of a couple of the things you covered there. One, I'm curious. I mean, the incentive example that you gave with an Amazon gift card, I'd love to get a couple more examples from you, but before that, uh, 
Um, I'm just curious, like, what are some of the topics you've used before, seen used effectively before for, for challenges that you've run? So I'll give you one example. I knew for my audience, and this, I did this after I realized, oh my gosh, this is what they're struggling with. Because a lot of times we think that things that come so easy to us, becomes easy to everybody else. But something as simple as menu planning. So doing a five-day menu planning challenge, right? And this is giving people just a sample of what it's like to work with you. You're not giving them the whole entire solution. But what happens when you menu plan? you're saving time, you're saving money, you're eating healthier, you're probably consuming fewer calories, probably a lot less sodium, things like that. So menu planning challenge, one was just a, at this time, this was a long time ago, so you're testing my memory, but mm. it was like a get moving challenge. Like pick, pick the activity, choose the activity you want to do. It's not, oh, let's get ripped abs in 10 days. It was more, if you like walking, do walking, but commit to it use your fitness tracker, post in the group. Mm -hmm. And back then I would send out things like, I would give people a choice of what prizes they wanted. So I would have, um, back then this was really before everybody probably had iPhones. They could win either like a pedometer, resistance bands, a recipe book. So they were all things that I would get at my local Marshalls, mm -hmm. wherever you live, you probably have those stores, Marshalls or Ross. Mm -hmm. Things right. that were $10 or less because they were on sale. But I think nowadays, like an Amazon card is this easy. Get you everything. To <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't want to be shipping things, a $10 item to Australia that's going to cost you $50 to oh, mail geez. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's yeah. funny because one thing about challenges too that I think is sometimes overlooked that I've always liked about challenges is it, it kind of helps if you think about the, your audience that you're marketing the challenge to, it kind of goes through a self-selection process where you're it's helping you identify those that would be a good fit for your programming mm -hmm. and where this came into play i think we first saw it with that strength management initiative we did was you know they were using a steps challenge to get people into coaching well if a person signs up for steps challenge you know right away they're interested in mobile health at least in some capacity they feel comfortable with technology so they're they're really checking all the boxes you want when you're qualifying a client to begin with and it's, I think it's such a logical stepping stone into coaching and into programming that I, it seems like more and more people are starting to pick up on it from that, for that perspective. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because it is, it's important that, so we talked about how challenges, what is the end goal you want to get clients? So in order to do that, the type of challenge you run has to directly relate to the type of coaching you offer. So I use the example of a menu planning challenge and you did the, the steps challenge. So I'll give you an example for me as an end user. Maybe you guys have an example too. Um, last year I participated in a, I think it was five days, a five day Pilates challenge. It was an online challenge. So I got a sample of this gal's Pilates challenges for five days. And then I joined her program, which is an online Pilates membership. It's like 29 or $27 a month. So because I was able to sample it and see what she was about, the workouts were pretty doable. That's gotcha. the thing too. You, you don't want to give people like advanced strategies and somebody that's going right, to make right. them feel like, oh, well, that, that's too much. I, I, I can't do it. You want to mm -hmm. ease them in with something simple. So they feel like, okay, yeah, I, I, I could do that. What's next? I'm ready for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a lot of different, especially lately. And Kathleen, we've been sort of the the 
span the breadth of companies that we've been working with lately has even gotten a little bit wider. We're seeing online coaching growing in interesting verticals lately. And I was just talking to someone the other day who was running a writing challenge. And I actually want to circle back with them now and, and nail down exactly how he was running this. Um, but yeah, he's basically a writing coach is how he branded himself. And he was running a writing challenge. And I think it was literally just get something on paper every day so that you're not staring at a blank page, send it to me. And I'll let you know how we progress from here, how I'd start coaching you. Um, but it was, it was the, the same purpose. Really interesting concept though. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. One thing that's interesting though, I do want to touch on, cause I, I had not heard you say this before. I think our experience with challenges previously had been challenges that were typically multi-week, maybe not a full month, but maybe two or three weeks. And you think, sh- so shorter the better is what you've seen. And so it sounds like five days, is that what you're typically seeing that works the best? Yep. yep. And it's not the only way to do it, but if you think about it from the coach's perspective, if you think you have to put together this elaborate 30-day challenge, like, oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. So if you think of it more, like using the example of a webinar, what do you teach on a webinar? Typically one, maybe two little mm-hmm. strategies or something that's going to make them realize something like, oh gosh, that's right. That's so true. I should try that, right? So personally, and this is just from working with thousands of health coaches and nutritionists, I'm just seeing what's working for them. It doesn't mean something right. else can't work. But my other point with that is, you know, you don't want to be giving away so much of your time for free either. Yeah. Um, so that's just my take on it. Doesn't mean that's the only way you can do it, but that just in, in my circle, that five to seven day seems to be the best range of time. Gotcha. Interesting. That is a really good point. And let me, let me just make fun of me for a second. Cause I, I think everybody wants to <laughs> make fun of me a little bit. Um, we were actually recently planning out a mastermind program that we were going to run. And I initially mapped it out to span over two whole months. And then we had a conversation with someone who very regularly runs. Who knows way more about this than we do. <laughs> and she was like, listen, I think this is a great idea. I love everything you're saying, except you're insane if you think you're going to keep everybody engaged for two months. And very quickly, we changed path very significantly. And now that's going to be basically a 14-day mastermind, all because of that conversation. But it's the same concept, and it's probably something that a lot of coaches out there, if they're thinking about this just starting from scratch, will assume they can do so much better in terms of keeping Mm -hmm. people engaged over the long haul. Uh, so I think that's a really important point to to drive home. I'm glad you're hitting that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you keep, s- it, keep it simple. Do you see any, so as we're talking about challenges and kind of duration and, and you know, managing time, I, I guess if it's done the right way, it really doesn't necessarily matter how many participants you have, but have you seen any kind of trends with kind of with respect to like target number of registrants you try to get within a challenge or something that works well? Just curious if there's any kind of correlation there. Well, that's a good question. And ideally, the more the better, but really it's more about getting the right people right. in there. So being very specific about, so if you were to just do a steps challenge, okay, well, who is that for? Is that for moms? Is that for dads? Is that for athletes? Is that like for postpartum? So the more specific you can be about who this challenge is for based on your niche, like who do you enjoy working with? 
So the more ideal clients you can get, right? When you, when you think about that funnel, you want to get as many people in it as possible who could be your ideal clients mm -hmm. so that at the end, more people will sign up. But from your, but and you touched something really important though, because it sounds like these should be put together in a way that if it, you know, you've unlocked efficiency, you've got it together in a way that will be highly scalable. So there's really no limit to how many people you could get. It sounds like. Yeah. So protecting. Yeah, especially if you're running an online program, if it's, so it's an online challenge, it's going to lead to an online program. If you have it set up to scale, there, there really is no limit. And you may think, Oh my gosh, how am I going to manage all these people? It depends on where you're hosting the actual challenge is if, say, say if it's in a Facebook group, it doesn't have to be just you. You can have one or two other people that can help you in that group answering questions, posting content, things like that. Like initially, if you're starting out at the beginning, you have a small email list, small social media following, you can handle it all yourself. And I think that's kind of ideal. I think it's, you know, there's a benefit in having things be small and cozy is that people in the group really, really get to know you. So there's benefits of that too. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. So other than that, so you got clients, obviously, is the, the first benefit. You want to convert as many clients as you can. But I'm sure there's some other things that running a challenge like this could potentially set you up very well for. You mentioned, I guess, people getting to know you better. That may be setting you up for converting people further down the line, or maybe they refer people to you. Is there anything else that you found from just like challenges or from talking? into folks that you've worked with who are running challenges that are also just benefits that may also uh, come about? Yeah, I know. I think one of them is actually a mindset shift yeah. because especially when, when we're new, we put so much pressure on ourselves. Oh my gosh, it has to be perfect. <laughs> so when you're offering something for free, it's like, okay, it's free. I still want it to be great, right? but you're not so, right? Most people don't get started with something because of fear. They have mm -hmm. self-doubt. But the nice thing about doing a challenge, it's free. You're going to get feedback, testimonials for next time. You'll know what you want to change. There's almost always something you want to change the next time you do it based on feedback and just seeing how it goes. But just know, okay, this, this, is, a, this is something for free that I'm going to try. I'm going to test it and then invite people to my paid program. Every time you do it, it's going to be an experiment to see like, okay, did this really align? Like, did I miss some messaging? What, what didn't, you know, did I miss something in connecting the dots to this free challenge? Mm -hmm. And now the next step is if you want to continue to get results quicker, faster, easier, I can help you in this program. Do you feel like it brings in, this is one thing I've always kind of wondered, and it, we would probably have to kind of circle back with people that have run challenges previously, but thinking about the quality of clients that challenges bring in, do you feel like it brings in a better quality client, someone who's kind of more bought in, has built more of a relationship with you versus maybe how you would traditionally acquire a client? That's a, that's a good question. I would think so because these are people that they're, now they're getting to know you. You're kind of getting to know them. And this can happen too. You can have mm -hmm. someone in your channel, like let's, let's face it, this can happen who really is a PIA, right? They're just, you know, a pain in the rear. Like, okay, this, <laughs> this really is not someone I want to work with. Right. So that might not be someone you want to have enroll more if it was a one-on-one. -on -one, yeah. Yeah. Client. You know, if someone that's in there kind of stirring up the pot and being really negative, it's like, okay, whoa, 
And honestly, you can invite that person to leave the group. And by that, I mean remove them. <laughs> I like how you frame it. <laughs> invite them to first. leave the group. <laughs> you might want to have a conversation first, like, hey, you know. Love you, mean to, it. You know, Love per you the mean guidelines it. of the group, we need to keep things on a positive note. Anyone that runs a group, you know, like on occasion, you're going to have someone that comes in and tries to make some trouble. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I have invited people to leave my group before. I love that so much. <laughs> Invite people. To, that's the most optimistic view yep. of exactly. out of a group I've ever heard. <laughs> what it really means is delete and block, but you know. <laughs> I think that's a really good thing to bring up though, because I would imagine most people that are running challenges or putting one together right now have probably not thought about that whole idea of like having a bad apple in the cohort. And that is a really interesting thing to bring up is thinking about what can really go awry. <laughs> and that is absolutely one of those things that can. Yeah, and so I have a, I have a free group with over 10,000 health coaches. So it, you know, it can be a lot to manage. I have two other admins in it that help me, but I, I, I have invited people to leave before. Because of that, you're not following the rules. You're either blatantly spamming people or you're being overly negative. We've addressed it before, so goodbye. Your group, your rules. Good way to put it. Your group, your rules. Exactly. Can't argue yeah. with that, can we? Um, well, I guess there was one other thing that you mentioned in there that I'm curious about. Do you would you typically suggest someone go into the idea of a free challenge with a strategy to potentially collect feedback for future groups? Yeah. So you can do that one of two ways. During the challenge, people will probably be giving you feedback along the way. They may send you emails. They may post in the group. So you can take screenshots, just ask them, hey, I really appreciate your post about that. You made my day. Would you be okay if I, took, if I shared your screenshot on the sales page the next time I run this? The other thing you can do is send out a survey to everybody at the end of the challenge, after it's over. Ask them, what did they like about it? What did they get out of it? That way you're getting their words, their language, and their feedback. So I think doing a survey is a really good way to do that. It does make a lot of sense. One, yeah. one question do you have, and you touched on it. I think this is an area that a lot of coaches we see generally struggle is talking a little bit about that point of conversion. So you've been, you know, you've had a person in a challenge, kind of feels like it's going well. You've built the relationship with them. How do you get that person converted to become a paying client? So would, would love to hear how you approach that subject. Yeah, th this is so important. And I know for most health coaches, fit pros, like we're just so loving and kind hearted and heart centered. And just when it comes to the sales stuff, it's like, oh, don't make me do it. Right. But you have to, obviously. You got to do it. You got to do it. When you, instead of thinking of it because you think, oh gosh, I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm pushing. No, you're inviting. You're inviting people to work with you so they can get the result that they want. So I think just reframing that is helpful. But I'm gonna give you uh, two or three very specific things that you wanna do during your challenge. And one is it's very subtle, but it's very effective. And that's planting seeds along the way during your challenge. And by that, I mean saying things like, when I work with my clients, I help them with this or, you know, as a matter of fact, last month I was working with a client who was really struggling with this. And by just making this one simple tweak, they were able to X, Y, Z. So you're planting seeds along the way that you help other people, how you help them and maybe a result that they got. So that's not salesy. You're sharing stories. You're sharing 
outcomes, but it's incredibly powerful because people listen to those stories and they can see themselves in that, right? They kind of put themselves yeah. in that story that you're sharing. So number one is planting seeds along the way, not Love waiting until the last day. And I think the other key that is important, I know when I do webinars, and I know you guys probably do the same, I let them know right from the start, I'm going to be sharing so many great tips with you this week. And at the end, if you feel like you want to take things further, I'm going to offer a way for you to continue to work with me. I think that's an easier way to do it than thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's day five, now I have to pitch. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like if they know what to expect, I don't think you're scaring anybody away. You're just giving them the chance to go through the challenge and then thinking, oh, he or she's going to have something at the end. Maybe I'm interested, maybe I'm not, but let me try this and then I'll find out about it. So this is one thing that came up from this other challenge, and this is kind of comparable, and this is maybe a little bit different in some ways, that steps challenge I referenced. What they did is they kind of identified two, I'd say, primary strategies. For one, they told people at the very beginning, hey, you can, did you know you can work with like an accountability partner during the challenge? So they did a free challenge, but if you wanted kind of a cheerleader, which aka was like coaching, during it, there was kind of a light fee associated with that. But what they also did is they figured out it was like two thirds way through the program. So theirs was 21 days. So I believe it was about 14 days in. That's when they thought, hey, this person will be getting the maximum amount of value. This is the best time to just make that ask of, hey, are you seeing value working from your accountability partner? Did you know you can keep working with them? Do you want to continue the relationship? Yes or no? It was the easiest, yet it was the easiest pitch, as you will, or, or ask I've ever seen. And at that point, it's just a simple conversation, yes, no question. And you really don't have to do much pitching per se. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how a challenge completely changes the dynamic of that question. Yeah, it's so true because now they, you're, not, you're not pushing something on a stranger, right? People are already working with you in some capacity. They're experiencing what it's like to work with you. And then the next step is going to be just you're leading them to make a decision, yes or no. They're almost pulling you through it in that case, at that point with the value you've provided. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like you said, so it's planting seeds along the way. The next thing I think is incredibly important. Now, granted, it's probably good I didn't have to do this in the beginning because I would have resisted it. Now I'm fine doing it, but doing live video. So having some sort oh, of live video element during your challenge. So if you're hosting your, like the main content of your challenge in a Facebook group, being in there going live because that is the next best thing to being right in front of someone um, where they can type in their questions, you can answer them. Another option, if you don't wanna do it in a Facebook group, you could do it on Zoom and you know, have people meet you that way. But some, having some element of live interaction with you, I think is incredibly important, incredibly important. That is a huge factor we have seen in remote coaching in general that we preach during implementation is because we, we have absolutely seen a correlation when you're trying to engage someone remotely, the amount of time or the amount you can really humanize the experience on the front end absolutely will dictate how engaged a person will be moving forward. Yeah, because you think about it, like when you're in a Facebook group or when you're on your Facebook feed and you, oh, I know that person, let me go ahead and watch their their video, yeah. right? It just, it's, it's instant connection. You know, right away, if you like them or not, not everyone is going to love you and that's okay. But yeah, so having, having some element of live stream video. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is, yeah, offering your program 
at the end and doing it not in just one way, like not just a post in the Facebook group, right? That's part of it. Ideally on, on the last day, you're, this is maybe your last day you're doing a live stream. You're going to invite people to your program, let them know what's in it for them, how it's going to help them. When these people signed up for your challenge, ideally, hopefully they signed up via your, your email, your opt-in. So now they're on your email list. So you want to invite them via email, posting in the group. And if you want to get a little ninja, if you're doing Facebook ads, you can retarget those people. You can run an ad specifically to the people who signed up for the challenge because we know not everybody opens their email. That way they're seeing it in your group. Maybe you have a post in the group, like a static post with an image. You invited them on your live stream. You're inviting them via email. So you just want to. Kathleen, you were a ninja. You were absolutely a ninja over there. No, I'm not. I just know enough to get beat. But, but these are the things that, that I use in my business and they work really well. Mm -hmm. Because I, I also, I know what it's like when I first started out and you just feel like so uncomfortable selling. But especially with, with the challenge, you're like, hey, these right. people have been hanging out with me for five or seven days. They're really enjoying this information. So it helps boost your confidence too, you know. But so I would say if you, you want to consider that your challenge is really part of, it's, it's your launch. It's a launch strategy, mm -hmm. right? So you can, right, you can do a webinar and you can do a video series. A, a challenge is a launch mechanism. So at the end, you decide how long you want that open cart to be. I think five days, no more than seven days from the time you open enrollment to when people can join. I think no more than seven days because people, you're going to be sending them emails pretty much every day. And also just be aware, the two most popular times for people to enroll in your program are going to be the first day and the last day. So right. as you're getting excited for the first day. Some people enroll and then it falls flat. The last day is typically when you're going to get the most people. Cause what happens? We all procrastinate. I do the same thing. Yep. I'll, I'll happens on webinars the all the time. Just, we always joke about this. Yeah, totally. Totally. And then if you can offer any bonuses, bonuses can, can be the tipping point to get people off the fence. Um, I know that would be a whole episode in and of itself, but right. What, one quick thing real quick too, because I know we're running tight on time. You touched on something about this being a launch strategy that I think a lot of people who are exploring challenges, this would be a good thing to kind of get out there is frequency of running challenges. Is this something you, presumably you're not just running these ongoing and back to back, you're maybe running these occasionally, whether it's quarterly or every, maybe a couple times a year. Oh, so that's a question. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of <laughs> laying it up for you to kind of just take yeah. it wrong with it. That's a great question. So ideally, if you've put forward the time and effort energy to create this amazing program, you don't want to just run it once. It, it's up to you. It depends on what else you have going on in your business. But say if you, if you want to run this one challenge every three to four months, I think that's great. You may want to run two different challenges during the year to see which one does better and then stick with the winner. Um, so it kind of depends on, on what type of business you have. I know using that Pilates challenge example, she, when she runs it, it it's a Pilates challenge, but she kind of changes the theme a little bit. 
Um, and then right now I can't think of what, what the themes are. I know she just did one like, oh, that's interesting. It's still, it's still Pilates, but just a little right, bit right, different spin on flavor of it. But yeah, like if, if it's your bit, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Once you find something that works, rinse and repeat yeah, as yeah. much as you can. So maybe you think, okay, this quarter I'm going to do a challenge. Next quarter, let me try a webinar. Let me see which one does better, you know. But if, if you love challenges and you really enjoy doing them, I, I would, I prefer challenges versus webinars. That's just me. Um, but yeah, running it like at least three times a year. And it depends. How many people did you get that first time, mm -hmm. right? The first time you, you're going to get some. The next time you run it, you're going to have people that thought about it the first time but didn't, but now they're ready, plus the new people that have joined your email list. So it can really build momentum over time too. I think you also have a resource that you'd be willing to share with people who are listening today too. Is there a place where people can find you first and also get access to that resource? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I did want to share one thing because you probably think, hey, this sounds really great, but how do I get people to join my yeah. challenge? So I do have a free resource that's called 10 Ways to Promote and Fill Your Online Challenge. So I'm going to, I'll give Mac and Phil the link for that. And yeah, if you want to find me, my website is healthcoachsolutions.net. My favorite place to hang out on social is Instagram and you can find me there. At oh, I can, I can confirm that detail for sure. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, she's on Instagram again. <laughs> Speaking of though, you touched on something really important. It's like, if you know somebody, you stop and you actually see what they're doing. I have to admit when your story pops up, which it does multiple times a day in front of me, yeah. I'll stop and I'll watch it. Yeah. Did you see the one I had yesterday about, there was a guy that was like, oh, hey, I want to be your sugar daddy. I'm paying three. Yes, I did see like, that one. What? Yeah. Congrats on getting that offer. No one has made me that offer on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm usually hanging out on Instagram. Yeah. I did finally get the interactive letters, by the way. I was jealous about them. I finally got them. <laughs> oh, but you got to love Instagram. I do love it. Is that your, where do you guys hang out the most? Instagram? Mac is on Instagram. You Instagram and LinkedIn. It's, you, you use them differently, but I mean, yes. yeah, like I'll Very try to post consistently on LinkedIn, but Instagram's the fun stuff. Very but okay, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but yeah, one of the ways you can promote your challenge is like wherever you are. Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Instagram? Do stories, do posts and, and invite people. Yeah, but you can learn a few more ways by grabbing that free resource too. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, wherever you have followers, wherever you interact with people. I mean, there are good ways to engage with people on Twitter. I'm back on Twitter after two years off of it. Are I had you? actually <laughs> deleted my account for some reason. I can't remember why I did this but I completely deleted my Twitter account and recreated it. I can't believe my handle is still available, but I also have like seven followers now. So I'm, I'm kind of Wow. Back. Well, maybe I'll clear off the cobwebs in my Twitter account. I'll come follow you. Just to follow me. That would be You, you meant seven million followers, right, Phil? Is that what you meant? Yeah, if you round up, I think. <laughs> if you round up. Seven million, of course. Um, okay, Kathleen, this has been awesome. Always is. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Fun. My absolute pleasure. I always love hanging out with you guys.